this wouldn't be anything but a family reunion if you all weren't here. So we commend you for your faithfulness. And um, I'm going to preach today. When they started singing, I didn't know if it was a joke. And I looked at Brother Nathan Holmes. I said, did you tell Sister Liz Ruby, did, did she tell you what I was preaching? And he said, no. So here we go. So I'm going to preach for a little while today out of Luke chapter 18, verse 1. If you've got it, say amen. amen. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. Everyone say, There was a widow. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night, Unto him, though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Everybody say, thank God for the word. The Lord help me for a little while. I want to preach from this thought, the theology of a breakthrough. The theology of a breakthrough. Why don't you set your Bibles down and for the next 30 or 40 seconds, lift up your hands. And let's just lift a praise to the Lord. Let's give God high praise and give him love and honor and glory. We love you, Jesus. God, we worship your great and mighty name. You're worthy of all the praise. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for your patience and standing. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I really believe what I'm about to, to, stay, to say this, this afternoon, and I feel it to the very depths of my heart. I, I will qualify it by telling you, very clearly that I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But I'm going to tell you there's something stirring in my spirit. That I believe the apostolic movement is standing on the precipice of some of the greatest days that have ever been recorded in its history. I'm sorry if you believe that we're dying and going down. I don't buy that book and I don't read that story. I'm here to tell you today that I believe we are poised for the greatest things we have ever seen before. Amen. I wonder if there's any saints you've been hanging around a long time, but you'd lift up your hand in this service right now and say, you know, I believe our best days are still ahead of us. Come on, I believe my pastor's greatest message is yet to be preached. I believe we still haven't had the best prayer meeting we're ever going to have. I still believe our greatest harvest is just, just another service away. So I'm not going to buy into the theory that we're dying and we're going down. I know that there is trouble. 
And I know that there are things that are rocking our world, and that includes both the natural and the supernatural. But I am convinced today that we are not in trouble as much as we have been put in a position. I'm going to tell you, when God puts his hand on you, it starts moving you and starts shaping you and starts placing you. It doesn't always mean that it's going to be comfortable or easy. Amen. Some of you know what I'm talking about right now. You can be doing the will of God and the perfect will of God and have tears streaming down your face and crying yourself to sleep at night. And still be in the will of God. I'm telling you right now that this church is right where God wants it to be. And God's moving this church right where it needs to be. I want to say some things today. I I don't say this because I I think I know all the answers, but I'm telling you without any hesitation that this is not a message that came out of a a book or, or some story I heard. This is something that God began to speak into my spirit in prayer over the past few weeks in prayer and fasting for this hour. I'm going to preach it here today. I'm telling you, I'm going home to preach it in my church. I may preach it everywhere I can preach it because I want to, I want to sound a clarion call to the apostolic church in 2018 get ready get ready get ready it's about to get really exciting around here come on if you believe it you ought to shout if you will believe it you ought to stop your foot on the lies of hell and tell that devil you haven't seen anything yet You may be seated. I believe from scripture that there is a theological pattern to victory. Theology is kind of a word that a lot of times people just kind of skip over when we get to talking about theologians, people that study scripture. And I don't consider myself a theologian nor a scholar, but I can read a little bit. And I can comprehend. In fact, in school, my teacher told me I had a 96% comprehension and reading. So I can read and I can understand. I don't tell you that I can remember it all. I may have a great, a great big intake, but I have a little tiny storage capacity. But I do understand theology and theology is defined as the study of religious faith, practice, and experience. And so I want to, for a little while here, to preach to you, not to just try to communicate things you've never heard, but I want to bring things to you that you already know. But I want to try to, with the help of the Holy Ghost, put the pieces of the puzzle together. Because my goal today is not just to see you shout in this service. But if God can help us all come together with the same mind and the same purpose... We're going to walk out of here a group of people ready to tear the kingdom of hell apart. So I want to preach to you today about the theology of a breakthrough. Number one, before you can have a breakthrough, you have to have a crisis. And then you have to have persistent prayer. And then you've got to have active faith. And then you have to have an anointed prophetic preaching voice. 
So I've come to tell you, it looks to me as a preacher that we've got the perfect making for an apostolic breakthrough in 2018. The pieces are all here. Turn around to your neighbor and tell him, say, we're in crises. <laughs> we're in crises. Isn't it great? Look at somebody else and tell them, say, we're in trouble. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, everybody wants the waves to go away. Everybody wants the storm to cease. Everybody right now, we need to be careful that we don't forget what citizens we are of. And I, I've thought about this. Some of you may think I'm crazy, and I am. As Brother Holmes said, I'm a maverick. I didn't know that, but I am. I don't care if Donald Trump gets elected king of the United States of America. He isn't fixing what's broken. And I'm going to tell you something else about this country. Thank God for America. I thank God that I'm in a land, in a country, where I can lift my hands on a Tuesday afternoon in this beautiful edifice, and I can shout out to the top of my lungs that there is only one God, and I love Him, and I worship Him. Thank God for the freedoms that we have in this great nation. Okay, we got that out of the way. So what I'm about to say, don't judge it without applying what I just said. This country doesn't love my God. They'll put a cross on the wall, but they won't put Christ in their life. So you know what? I'm going to stand here in this pulpit. I'm going to tell you today. You better check your citizenship. And we want to run around in the crises and make sure that the white picket fence is stable and secure. And that the daffodils are still green and that, and that the flowers are blooming and the grass is fine and the, the house is good. And we're running around trying to preserve some American dream. But I'm going to tell you something. There was a dream that surpassed the American dream. And that was the dream that Jesus dreamed. So I want to tell you for just a little bit, this world is in crisis. You don't have to agree with me. I'm just going to tell you and I'll show you here in a minute. We're in a crisis day. We're in a crisis hour. We're in a crisis country. But we're the people that ride the crisis. This doesn't shake me. None of these things move me. That's why the Bible tells us as the last days begin to come upon us, he tells us all the evil that's going to happen, all the instability, all of the things that are going on. And then he says, and none of these things move me. And none of this shakes me up. Because I know, I know where I'm planted. I said, I know where I'm planted. I'm not planted on the Republican Party. I'm not planted on the Democratic Party. 
planted on the Holy Ghost party. I'm planted in the heavenlies. And long after all this is gone, I'm going to have a hope. I'm going to have a promise. And I'm going to keep on living. We've got problems, folks. And I'm glad about it. I'm kind of like Jesus. They came to him and said, Lord, they were all upset, buttoned their jackets. Jesus, we have some bad news. Lazarus died. And he said, He did? He said, he's dead. I'm glad. For your sakes. So good, he died. This is going to be awesome. We're fixing to tear some things up. Martha and Mary, we're going to have to get their money back. Because we're in crises. Don't be shaken, church. I said, don't get shaken, church. Well, you don't know who they're about to elect. I don't care who they elect. I know who's on the throne. I'm not trying to be cute and I'm not trying to be apolitical. I'm trying to get it through our heads right now. Because the theology of a breakthrough requires that our allegiance be dedicated and absolutely established in the kingdom that is to come. Let me talk about it for a few minutes. Are you ready? We've got a crisis because we have weakening convictions in an aggressive, evil environment. Listen to me. They're not, they're not sitting just talking about it over coffee. We go have coffee and talk about theology. They're not out talking about it. They're out doing it. They're on the streets. They're protesting. They've got websites. You can go get involved and they'll tell you what to bring. And they'll give you a mask and they'll tell you how to do it. And they teach you how to, how to break the tasers from the police. And they tell you what to wear to avoid being overcome with the tear gas. And they'll tell you how to get through the police. They're going to tell you they believe what they believe. And they are firmly convinced. And they're going to go to any extreme to get it across. We're living in a crisis world. At the same time, if you look across it, we got churches that are afraid to preach about holiness. I I know we're not in that meeting today, but I know that it's going on. I'm telling you, don't get mad and cast off stones at somebody. You need to start praying, God, strengthen your church. God, strengthen your ministry. God, strengthen your people. God, give them a conviction. Let there be a fresh baptism of conviction in every apostolic church in America. Weakening convictions and, and, and holiness and now and now they want to make it negotiable and changeable. And we got all these people trying to do away with important things and they're trying to they're trying to gripe about this and gripe about that. And meanwhile the adversary is just building walls. And he's he's just walling people off and and now prayer becomes secondary to the program 
You know, this is not supposed to be, I'm just going to preach to my ambassador. I could tease him and say I haven't seen him very much this week, but I don't want to get him in trouble. He's been in touch. He really has. Now, prayer is something that we do to fulfill some. And I'm going to talk in this. I'm just telling you, this is the attitude. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. And before we do all that, we're going to get together for 30 minutes and pray. And then we're just going to pray, God, bless all of our ideas. Bless our song selection. You know I'm preaching truth, so don't you sit there quiet on me now. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're not criticizing. We're just talking about the crises. This is going on all around us. You got evangelism that's now optional. I'm I'm not a part of that department. This is what I say at my church. This isn't my church, but I'll tell you how we do it at my church. Anybody from First Church here? Don't raise your hand. Say something. We're not Baptist. This is what I say at home. This church doesn't have an outreach department. This church is the outreach department. And, and I know it's not new with me, but this is how we tell them. Everybody's a soul winner. I said everybody's a soul winner. You might as well hug God say amen and agree with the right guy right now. I said, you might as well say amen and agree with the man who's telling you the truth. Because the only reason you don't believe that is you believe what the devil told you. But I've come to tell you in the Holy Ghost today, you are a soul winner. You are a walking, talking, apostolic revival. Revival and evangelism. Is a part of our DNA. When you got the Holy Ghost, Brother Wilson, they got supernatural dynamic attraction. Yeah. I was driving the day before we left and I was running some errands and I went to pick some stuff up from a store and then I was driving. You can call me spiritual, call me weird, whatever, but it's good for the story. And some said, go get a coffee. And I said, I don't want a coffee. Some said, go get a coffee. Well, I love coffee, and all you got to do is say it twice. Some said, go get a coffee. I said, I'm going to get a coffee. I pulled in this area, parked my car illegally, because it's in the city. It'd take the tow truck three or four hours to get there, trust me. Walked into the coffee shop, got in line behind a guy, nice, fit, well-dressed, nice haircut, and he's standing in line, and he looks sharp. We're just kind of standing there. And we go up a little bit, and he goes up. And I'm waiting. I'm trying to hear from God what I should order. Because <laughs> I'm on a no-sugar diet. I was wondering if he's trying to give me a revelation. <laughs> and so I'm standing there, and the guy goes up, and he orders. And he's doing this all special frou-frou, Brother Caleb Adams kind of coffee stuff. And it's special from the hills of Ethiopia by a goat herder with only white goats something i don't know i'm teasing brother adams i love it and i was sitting there and he finishes his order he puts his elbow on he turns around looks at me and i'm looking at him i go how are you doing he goes good how are you doing and he looks at me a little more and i'm looking at him and he goes 
You're a celebrity. I get that all the time. Like once a millennial. And I got it for this one. He said, you're a celebrity. I go, yeah, I'm the most not famous celebrity you've ever met. He goes, no. He said, TV. I didn't want to go into that whole doctrine. I just simply said, no. He goes, I'll think of it. And he walks off. I said, let me know when you do. Because I thought I'm going to go look that picture up. Find out who I look like. There's hope. And he, he goes over by get my coffee and I'm walking over and I'm still thinking, I don't even want this coffee. And he walks over and he goes, church. He goes, you pastor first church. I said, I know you didn't see me on TV. He goes, yeah, I came. And then I recognized, I said, I know you. He said, yeah. And he starts talking to me. He goes, told me his name. He goes, yeah. He said, he goes, we sit there and talk to him and he goes, you know, I don't believe in accidents. He said, I just got to tell you, pastor, I think God's in this. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get supernatural magnetic attraction. They don't even know why they want to shake your hand. They don't even know why they want to talk to you. But there's something about you. I'm telling you right now, this world's in crisis. This is not the time to quit reaching. Let me move on. Let me move on. Let me tell you something. Our world's in a crisis too. And all you have to do is pick up the newspaper and read this. And you can tell. But I'm going to tell you what I think it is underlying. You know what it all is about? It's about an identity crisis. They've been raised by a father who's abandoned them every time they turned around. Their daddy told them to take something and didn't make them happy. And they got happy, but then they ended up sad again. And their daddy told them to buy something and didn't make them happy. And they bought it, and now they just don't even like it. Their daddy's a liar and a cheat, and they have an identity crisis. Because you get your identity from your father, and they don't know who they are, so they don't know which bathroom to use. They don't know who they are, so they don't know what they love. And let me just preach for just a few minutes here. We got to be careful that we don't start self-diagnosing the world and start holding them in an arm's length to say, something's wrong with you. Yeah, something is wrong with them, but something's right with us. Don't you start holding the people that are drowned in an arm's length. You don't like the way they look or the way they dress. Thank you, Brother Mayo, for praying the transvestite due to the Holy Ghost. Thank you, church, for loving the unlovable. We're in a crisis. We're in a crisis. The world is in a crisis. You sit down. But this ain't the first time. You know, I love the book of Jonah. It's the only book in the Bible that ends with a question mark. Go read it. God writes, has the whole story of Jonah to end on a question. You know what his question is? You mean, you have a problem with me moving on a group of people? And this is how our world is. They don't know their left hand 
from the right hand. How are you? You're supposed to expect them to be able to know what's right and wrong. They don't even know what's left and right. And that's the generation we're living in. He said, should I not spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons? Not people. We want this building to be full of people. But this building is full of individuals. And it's easy for us to just put a blanket over it and say, yeah, that's just them. No, it's a bunch of people just like you and me before Jesus saved us. They may be further down the slide of sin, but they're just like you and I. And if God hadn't saved us, we would have voted for their candidate. And we had believed their, theology, their philosophy. And we had practiced what they practiced. But thank God for Calvary. And thank God for the message of truth that pulls us out and gives us a hope. And I'm, I'm hurrying. I... I got, I'm trying to move along quickly. Listen, the world's in a crisis. The church is in a crisis. And I'm happy. This is great. Turn around and tell somebody, say, everything's messed up and it's perfect. This is perfect. Because it's the cry of Esther. <laughs> It's all messed up. Good's being called bad. Bad's being called good. But I raised you up for just a time like this. Oh, yeah. When I delivered you, I knew this day was coming, baby. When I freed you, I knew this day. When I blessed you, I knew this day was coming. When I saved your grandpa and your great-grandpa and you're still in the truth, I saved you because I saw this day coming. Let me just for a few minutes preach what I feel will bring about our greatest day of breakthrough. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm just going to say it because I don't want anybody to wonder what I believe. I still believe there is no other message. And if you're wondering about it, just hang around a little bit. Because there's no name that will deliver you. And there's no blood that will cleanse you. And there's no spirit that will resurrect you. There is no theology that will save you. There is no doctrine that will pick you up and then teach you how to live. And teach you how to dress. And teach you how to act. And teach you how to walk. And teach you how to tithe. And then teach you how to give an offering. And then teach you how to clap your hands. And then teach you how to shout. And then teach you how to repent. I'm telling you, I still believe this. This is it. There's no other way there's no other name there's no other doctrine I believe it so much that I had them tattoo it on the side of my church building we were in a building planning meeting as we were getting ready for it and one of the men 
And our church said, how are we going to distinguish this church from all the other churches? I know. I said, we're going to put a scripture right by the front door. I said, because there ain't another church in town that wants to get all out there with its doctrine. Because really, when you get inside, you find out they just believe whatever you want them to believe. But this is called transformation. You walk in here believing something, but the word will teach you what to believe. So nothing big. They said, well, what scripture? I said, Ephesians 4, 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You can't walk in my church without knowing what we believe. You know why? Because this is still the only way. Hey, come on, millennial generation that's got a lot of people buzzing in your ear that your preacher needs to grow a beard and get the head shaved up the side and get him a bar stool and sit down and let's wax eloquent. No, I'm here to tell you, this thing's raw. This thing's powerful. It's unpolished. But baby, it'll change the world. It'll change your life. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to tell you that we need conviction in our day and time. We need a real fresh baptism of apostolic convictions. I'm talking about convictions that will cause you to not back up to your best friend if they don't agree. It will cause you to not cave in to a group of people that don't agree. It will cause you to stand flat-footed and say, I really don't care what you believe. I know what the Word of God says. And I love you, but I love him more. And I love you, and I want you right. But if you walk out, I'm staying. If you leave it, I'm staying. If you hate it, I love it. In our day and time, we ought not to be quiet when they're starting to try to figure out ways to to move words around. But I'm here to tell you today that I still believe that it is not right for a woman to cut her hair. It's in the Bible. I'm not looking for your agreement. You don't have to get up and shout. I already decided a long time ago that's what I believe. I thank you because I now know you believe it with me. I'm going to tell you what else. You can decorate this old flesh all you want to, but it don't make it any prettier than what the Holy Ghost can make you pretty from the inside out, baby. If you want to look good, get the Holy Ghost. If you want to look good, live right. If you want to look good, talk in tongues. You look heavenly. Convictions. Convictions. You know what? Here you go. I preach against TV. Brother Holmes said it. I'd have been more impressed. I love Brother Tony Spell. He's awesome. I'd have been more pressed if he'd have put his phone up there at peak. (laughs) Unless Brother Stephen Jones is buying me a new one, I'm not sacrificing this one. Convictions. Everybody shout out, you got to have convictions. You got to have convictions. And I'm just touching on things. These are our candy sticks. We all believe it and shout over it. Yeah. But you know what else I believe about holiness? If you're really holy, you pray. 
I don't care how long your sleeves are. I don't care how high your neck is. I don't care how long your dress is and how modest your suit is and how white your shirt is. If you don't have a prayer life, you're just a whited sepulcher full of dead men's bones. You're just a modern day 21st century Pharisee. Because I don't get on fire from my obedience to God's pattern. I get on fire when I walk into the holiest of holies and I lay before the king of kings and I'm like the prophet and say, touch my lips with something off the altar. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I want to be full of fire from the inside out. I want to be holy. From the inside out. Convictions. 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 We don't believe in adorning the temple. But some of us don't believe we need to sweep the inside more than about once a week, 30 minutes before church. I'm not trying to be mean or harsh. This is real life. This is just real life. We may be in a praying church, and I'm trying to cultivate a praying church, but I know every church doesn't pray. And you wonder why you're facing immovable walls. You wonder why you're not breaking through to your city. I'm telling you, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Well, I've come to give you a little bit of help today. I'm not here to chide you and beat you down. I'm here to tell you, you can still change. And you can start praying the way you need to pray. Because I'm going to tell you the first part of the apostolic theology that believes in a breakthrough is a group of people that believe in persistent prayer. They believe that if we pray, things are going to change. That if we pray, kingdoms are going to come down. That if we pray, the fire is going to fall. If we pray, jailhouses are going to open up. If we pray... I toyed about telling this story. My great-grandfather, my father, mentioned my great-grandfather. And I'm privileged to have a legacy. It don't make me... It's Brother Wilson, I thank God for Brother Wilson. I say it shamelessly. I'm going to tell you something. Brother Wilson saved my life. I didn't even know it. But he was a friend to me as an elder and loved me. Brother Wilson has a saying, God doesn't have any grandchildren. I don't care if you're, listen, I don't care if your great, 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 great grandparents came and helped grow the trees in North Little Rock before anybody lived here. And you could say, I was, my family was the first one here. If you don't have what drove them to go do that, all you have is a family yearbook. Because this thing requires that everybody gets it for themselves. Now I want to make that very clear. 
because I thank God for my great-grandfather, my grandfather, and all of them. I thank God for my godly heritage. I have an aunt here somewhere. My eyes aren't good enough to find her, but I have an aunt, and I thank God for the godly heritage that I possess. It's a privilege to me. It's not a a badge of, of pride or arrogance or elevation or nothing, because if it's like Brother Phil White says, if your hand can fit around this microphone, it's about the same circumference as a mop. So before you can hold this, you got to learn how to hold something else. So this isn't a privilege you want to use to be used to God, find a place, got to go to work for God. It don't matter if it's mopping the halls or, or a vacuum in the front. Just start being used by God. Just be used by God. Just say, God, I don't care. You're, listen, your great-grandfather may have been the Pope of Pentecost, but you got to get a mop and say, where do I start? Where can I get that anointing? Where can I find that mantle? And this story is in the book. I, it, the exact details aren't, may, may not be perfectly correct, but the gist of the story. And this is what I'm talking about, persistent prayer. And I read this, and I've read it, and I'm telling you. And I have confessed, it haunts me. It haunts me. It haunts me. Because I feel like sometimes, I feel like the disciples get up from a prayer meeting, but I just want to say, God, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray as I ought to pray. And I know that there was things they didn't do right back then, and God's helped us figure some things out. But I'm going to tell you, we figured out too much in a lot of ways. And we know how to have church. Sometimes we can do it without praying. But he was in a revival, and I can't even think of the town and where he was. It was somewhere back here in the south. And and he was in a, a revival and built a brush arbor and been preaching, and nobody was coming. Nobody and they were, my great-grandfather, great-grandmother never met him. I, I heard my great-grandfather preach, preach for the first time probably five years ago as a, a cousin of mine mailed a, a, an old reel-to-reel and he'd put it on CD and, and he gave it to me of my great-grandfather. And I sat in my office one day and listened to this legend of a man preach about the harvest fields. And I I thought to myself, thank God, we still believe in revival. But he he was in this revival and it wasn't happening. So he told told his wife, he said, if we don't get a breakthrough tomorrow night, we're, we're leaving. It's not the will of God to have revival here. I'm talking about persistent prayer. Don't forget what I'm talking about. Persistent prayer. Everybody say persistent prayer. And he went home that night from church. And my grandmother told the story in in a book. And he knelt down and started praying. And my great-grandmother got all the kids in bed. They went to sleep. And then she knelt down beside him, and they prayed. When the sun came up and it was time for the kids to go to school, my great-grandmother got up, got the kids dressed, got them fed, got them out the door to go to school. And then she knelt back down by my great-grandfather, who was still praying. And they began to pray. When the kids came home from school, she got up, took care of them, fed them, got them dressed for school or for church that night. And after they'd eaten, my great-grandfather got up. And he's been praying since they got home the night before. And he goes and he changes clothes and freshens up to go to the revival service. Carrying the gas lantern, a few little things they had to have service in. They're walking to the brush arbor. And the brush arbor in the story 
there was a hill that came over and the brush arbor was on the other side of the hill. And as they approached the hill, they heard a noise. And they thought something bad was happening. They thought maybe somebody was doing something to the brush arbor. And so my great-grandfather and his oldest son ran up to the top of the hill, if I remember the story right. And when they got to the top of the hill, they looked over and the brush arbor was full of people. And there were cars parked around. Listen. And there were, the noise they heard, they were already praying. And they went down and the revival broke out. And many people got the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to tell you in 2018, if we want to tear down these walls, we're going to have to want revival more than we want a Sunday afternoon fellowship session. Can I preach to you now? I know I'm not preaching one God. This is the dirty work of the apostolic breakthrough right here. This is the part where a lot of people start checking out saying, well, I don't know if we need to do all that. But I'm telling you, you're looking at a young preacher. Well, not so young anymore, but I still am young compared to them. And I'm going to tell you, this preacher believes everything I read in that book. That if I ever come up against a wall that's immovable. I said, if my church ever comes up against a spirit that we can't break through, I'm telling you, I know what to do. I know how to get on my face, and I'm going to have to get a hold of the throne of heaven, and I'm going to have to fight my battles in the spirit realm, because these devils are going to give up easy, and they're not going to surrender and walk away. But I'm of the apostolic church. I've got the power. I've got the dominion. I've got the authority. And I know how to pray. The second thing that's all, oh, let's lift our hands and pray right now. Feel the Holy Ghost talking to us. Let me tell you about prayer. And I felt this when I was getting ready. I was praying in here. On, I can't remember Saturday afternoon with Brother Jackson. Let me tell you what a lot of our prayer does. And the reason we get frustrated is we come to prayer and we start telling God what to do. Save my kids. Bless me. And do this. And we're doing it with half-heartedness. The most important prayer that we can ever learn to pray is the prayer when we say, God, I know you've got something in this city. And I'm not sure what it is because I haven't seen it yet. But I know in your world it's already finished. So God, let your kingdom come. And let your will be done. Right here in my life. I want you to start right here in my heart. I want you to establish your throne in my world. I want to be a one God worshiper from the inside out. And then God, I want you to lay it on my family. And then God, I want you to put it in my city. We can't tell God to go put his throne somewhere that we're not willing to let him set it up. If we're going to have dominion, it's got to be thy kingdom come to my life. You know, the second component is active faith. Everybody say active. You know, this is where some people break out in a sweat and grab a towel and sit down. 
I use this analogy a lot. You know, you know the reason I'm not in better shape? Let me tell you a little secret. This is good. I used to be in really good shape. That was a long time ago. Okay, you know why? It's hard. To get in good physical shape is hard. You get tired. You get sore. I know you look good, but it's not worth it sometimes. Sometimes it's just better to change friends. Yeah. And some people treat the things of God like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a prayer warrior. Oh, God. Jesus, Jesus. God, help us. This is hard work. I need to take a break. Let me tell you something. This isn't about people being bad or ugly. But if the devil sees me say, Whoa, I need a little break. I'm going to walk over here and he's going to go, You want a chocolate milkshake? Well, I guess. Do I have to pay for it? And he's going to make sure that the last thing on your list is getting back over to pick up that intercessory prayer burden. But I'm not, listen, I'm not, I don't. I tell my church, I don't pray because I'm spiritual. I pray because I'm carnal. I keep waking up every day thinking I'm going to get spiritual, but I wake up and I'm like, oh my word, here we are again. I got to go to the church. If some of you took showers like we prayed, nobody would sit by you. Yeah. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about real prayer. I'm talking about kingdom altering prayer. I'm talking about getting active. I'm talking about people that say, yeah, it's a sacrifice. But I'm going to go make the sacrifice. I'm going to go pray. I know. I know I could go to sleep. But I'm going to the house of God to pray. And God's going to see that sacrifice. Everybody say active faith. Active faith. If you want the breakthrough, you can't sit around and wait on somebody to preach it through. You know, this is a partnership. I know I'm up here on the stage and I got the mic and you all are in the pew. But this isn't a one-man show. This is us working together. I'm pulling, you're pulling back. I'm, I'm throwing, you're catching and throwing back. You know what? I'm just going to do it like I do at home. I tell our church... To remind them that this is not me preaching. I'm not supposed to preach you. Don't you ever let a church preach you, Brother Claiborne, to a place where you got to preach them. Because you're anointed if you go pray and seek God fast. And there's going to be a time in that message where that anointing is coming off of you. And it's going on those people to do what you've been preaching about. And at some point in time, the church has got to get up and say, that wasn't just a great message. That was a great proclamation of what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Come on, give it to me. Come on, I want the word. I want what was preached. You got to get active faith. You can't sit there and just kind of, oh no. If you want something, you got to get up. There's hungry people in here. If you're waiting for a throw roll here, you're never going to get a sitting there. You got to get up and say, God, I want that. God, I want the, what the preacher just preached. I want the promise he just talked about. Hey, apostolic church, you got to take the promises that God is giving you. Simple faith. Simple faith. 
except as you become little children. You, you can't get this. I'm not boasting. This is tragic. I've had people in my church. We went through a season where it seemed like people were getting cancer and dying. We believe in healing. But I'm going to tell you, God's not going to heal everybody. I don't understand God. But you know what? I'm not discouraged and I'm not depressed. I think I'm learning something. I think it's finally getting through. Because just back in June, we had our camp meeting. And a, and a man in my church came up to me and said, Pastor, I got, I got one of the guys who works for us at our company. said, he just, he's got cancer. But I told him if he'd come to church, we'd pray for him, God, and heal him. I'm like, well, okay. Sure hope God heals him. <laughs> but we were having great church. And Brother Holmes got us all shouting and wouldn't preach. And everybody was, so I said, well, why not? Got the oil, walked over there. I don't remember, there was some, there might, there might have been some of those preachers. I, walked, I said, hey, this guy wants to pray. He's got cancer, let's pray for him. Got the oil. He's over here on the side of my church, way back in the corner, like some carnal people, but not these people. And I, I just reached out and just put the oil on my hand and just said, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over cancer. God, you're the healer. We declare healing in this man's body through your blood. Turn around and walked off. Because you know, you don't stick around and say, how you feeling? You said, Jesus' name. Woo. Try to get out of the way. You know what happened? He went back to the doctor. Doctor came out and said, I don't know what happened. Here is your x-ray before. And here's the one we just took. There's the cancer. There ain't nothing. You're healed. Simple faith. Come to church, God will heal me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you, I feel a confirmation. It's time for us apostolics to cast down all the things we think we know and all the times we think we kept score. God didn't answer prayer. And it's time for us to become children of the word. If God said it, yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. God will bless me. I believe it. Here's my tithe. Oh, here's my offering. I just want what my pastor preached about. You go figure it out. You figure it out. I can't, all I can tell you is, I, I don't think it's the who. I think it's the how. Simple faith. I'll give you a little example. Evangelist gets up in your church the next time. God's going to give us a harvest of souls. We sit back there like apostolic sermon critics. Come on, man. You have to bring something better than that. If we really want to break through, you're going to tap your eyes and say, did he say God's going to give us a harvest of souls? That's what I thought I heard him say. Okay, grab some extra cards on the way out. I'm buying in. 
I'm buying into the breakthrough. I said, I'm buying into the breakthrough. You see, I'll get to the third component. It ain't going to take me long. But I'm going to tell you that there's a whole lot hinging on the people of God. You're the people. God ain't raising up another church. God raised us up. God ain't looking for another preacher. He raised them up. You're the church he's counting on. You're the prayer warrior he's making all this on. He's counting on us. We got to rise up and say, it's time to get about the master's business. It's time to get out in the highways and Ways. It's time to call the backslider once again. Because I believe what the preacher preached. I believe it. The devil keeps blowing my notes over here. But I'm going to preach it anyways. You know, the third thing we got to have is prophetic preaching. Prophetic preaching. Can I go back for just a minute before I get to the preacher? Because I want you to understand in just a minute what your response must be to the Word of God. You know, is Brother Booker here? You made me so nervous today. And then Brother Holmes last night, all over my text. Ahab, he's a devil. But for every devil, God's got a prophet. So the prophet comes in and says, no more rain. Because they have in all their false doctrines saying, God's going to bless us. <laughs> you just make your own applications. And so he says, no rain. But listen, there's a time and a season where everything starts changing. And the miracle in this story hinges upon the obedience, not of the prophet, but of the servant of the prophet. Because the prophet says, let me tell you what's going to happen Ahab. It's about to rain. It's about to rain. And Ahab's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, we better to drop. Hey, let's order in some pizza. And he's all about having a party, but the prophet goes back and he says, it's going to rain. The servant said, I'm with you. He said, do me a favor. Will you run up the top of that mountain over there and go see what you see? All the way up? All the way up. Do you see the ocean? He says, okay. What are you going to do? I'll be here praying. And he gets down, puts his face to the ground, starts praying. This is what happens to us in our life. And the preacher preaches it on Sunday night. And we go, that's mine. And you run up to the top of the hill on Monday. I got a real hill here. All the way up. And you go, nothing. I knew there wasn't nothing to all this faith stuff. And you know what happens? Listen, this may, you get back to church on Wednesday night and they start singing, we don't, but somebody may. It's all in him. It's all in him. You know what you start doing? You start going, I don't know if it's all in him. Because you went to the top of the mountain and didn't see nothing. And then you come back down and the pastor preaches on Sunday night and says, Hey, run up to that mountain. And you go run up that mountain and guess what? Nothing. And the devil starts telling us, You're wasting your time. 
But you know what? Here's what you don't realize. You're moving. And it's hard to hit a moving target. And it may not happen this week. And it may not happen next week. And it may not happen the third week or the fourth week or the fifth week or the sixth week. But there's going to be a seventh Monday. Where you run in obedience to what was preached by the man of God. And you get up there and say, Ah, it ain't much, but it was more than I saw last week. Hey, pastor, I see a cloud about the size of a man's head. And he looks at him and says, you better get there and tell Ahab, revival is coming. It's going to be a torrential downpour. I'm telling you that if you don't get involved with the word of God, you'll never see the storm that the preacher prophesied. You got to get involved with the preacher. And Ezra said, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to read it. You go read it. Five and one. Israel has come back to rebuild the walls. And they're working away. And here comes false accusation. And word comes and says, shut it down. And they shut it down. Crickets from Washington, D.C. They hear nothing. No appeals. Nothing. But then one day, a couple of prophets are praying. One in the sixth month and one in the eighth month. And Haggai and Zechariah get in a prayer meeting. And when the Holy Ghost gets moving, it'll make you go against conventional wisdom. And he finally says, I, I can't take it. And he goes to the king and says, Thus saith the Lord, you got to start building the walls. Because when you get a word from God, it don't matter if the government says, Shut it down. You know what the Bible said? A couple of people said, a couple of those men said, I believe the word of God over the king of the, over the word of the king. Let's start working. And they start working and back comes the adversary and said, who's doing this? What's doing this? I'm telling you, you know what you need to do to break the stronghold? You need a prophetic word. You need a preacher to get up in your life. And you need to say, you need to say, preach to me. I got a wall in front of me and I got an adversary behind me. And I got to get out of this. Preach, pastor. And the preacher starts preaching and jeremiah said that word it was like a hammer it was like a hammer on rock and something starts breaking and something starts coming apart and before you know it walls are coming down and things are breaking and backsliders are praying through and people are getting healed and all you're doing is saying preach it preacher preach to me pastor come on let's have revival let's have a breakthrough we're tired of this we don't want this kind of church anymore we don't want this kind of revival anymore hey hold on a minute I knew we'd get here and some of you think I'm telling you 
I got a word from God. You're not breaking out. You're breaking in. For the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Don't you go home and say, I'm going to get out of this. You need to go home and say, we're going to get into this. We're going to get into this. We're going to reach every nation. We're going to reach the color. We're going to reach the other people. We're going to get on the other side of town. He was praying here. What was that? What night? You remember? I don't remember. We were down praying. I walked by him. I met him. I don't know him. And I walked by him. He was right here. And the Holy Ghost said, Tell him he's going to get a breakthrough. I went over and prayed for him. I didn't say anything. But he came over. We started talking. He was feeling so much strength. I said, brother, i got to tell you something. God told me to tell you he's going to give you a breakthrough in things this year. You've been fighting. They're about to all come down. He said, do you know what the theme of our church is for the year? I said, no. He said, it's breakthrough. I said, brother, listen. You know what the theme of my church is for this year? It's breakthrough. Can you take that back to Norway? And every time you go to the pulpit, I want you to take that hammer with you. Because the word of God is in me like a hammer. And I may not see a lot right now, but I've come to tell a whole missionary, something's breaking. Something's breaking. Something's breaking. That's okay. Come on, grab you a piece of the miracle. Something's breaking, Pastor. Something's breaking, whole missionary. Something's breaking. You preach the word, preacher. Hold on. We'll get him. I, I, no, no, you're breaking. Come on, let's go. Let's have revival. Let's have revival. You know what the preachers are doing? The preachers are taking the breakthrough. You take that back to Idaho. You have, No, no, you carry that hammer back. Brother Lopez, you go back and have revival. You pray them through. You get a breakthrough. This is about a breakthrough. You know what? It's about the preacher preaching, but it's about the people saying, Preach! This is the apostolic theology of a breakthrough. The 2011, I want to tell you. I almost hate to think about it because it was such a dark day. It's almost traumatic. And I'm sorry for going this long. But listen. I was so desperate. 
I start getting up at four in the morning and going to the church and praying. There was nobody there praying. But I said, God, something's got to give. You give us a breakthrough. Are you letting me go? And I prayed. I don't know how many days I went down and laid and prayed. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you how, how my back was against the wall. I would leave there some days. It would be eight and nine. And still nobody had come to pray. But I left every day with my back just a little straighter. And I didn't know how, Brother Holmes, but I knew God was going to send help. (laughs) One day, I was praying. It was about 6 a.m. And I was crying, talking in tongues because there comes a point you don't even know what to say. But the Holy Ghost knows how to pray through you. And I was praying, and the Holy Ghost said, Call Brother Sam Howard and have a revival. I sat up. He is an old buddy of mine. We went to Bible school together. I knew him. I'd never had him preach. 6 a.m. I sat up on that front pew, pulled my phone out, called him. You know, we're so good at smoothing things over. He said, hey, man, what are you doing? Ah, oh, man, nothing. What you doing? I'm biggest hypocrite. I was hanging on by a thread. But that thread was anchored in the sanctuary, so I was okay. I said, would you come preach me a revival? He said, you know, I've been supposed to start a revival over here at this church. He said, but I keep, God just kept telling me, wait, wait. He said, let me pray about it. He called me back the next day. He said, I'll come. And he came. And for nine weeks. Nine weeks. One service, we shouted. Nine weeks. Nobody got the Holy Ghost. Nine weeks. Him and I were meeting every morning for prayer. We were praying. It was so bad, we had finished praying and go get in my truck and go find every beach we could in Northern California. And just go out the beach and say, well, we know where this one is. Let's go to the next one. And drink coffee. Because that's the drink of the marriage supper of the Lamb. He finally came to me about week seven. He said, I am so discouraged. He said, we're not having any kind of a breakthrough. I said, Brother Howard, I just feel like God's doing something. I don't even know what. I know. And the next day he went to pray. And God spoke to him and said isn't my word like a hammer we closed that revival down and he left without seeing anybody get the Holy Ghost I had to call him and encourage him but within 60 days I was surrounded by rubble because the walls came down Just keep having church. 
Just keep having church. Just keep amen in your pastor. Just keep believing God. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Nobody got the Holy Ghost. It don't matter. Keep swinging, pastor. Nobody's praying through. Keep swinging, pastor. Something's breaking. You keep working. I'm going to keep running to the top of the hill and looking around and saying, oh, nothing yet. But pastor, there's a bigger pile. Keep swinging. Keep swinging. Any day now, my loved one's going to walk in that back door. Any day now, they're going to open that front door. Any day now. Any day now. Any day now. And the reason is, is I'm not preaching to you vain philosophy. I'm preaching to you sound doctrine. If you will pray, and if you will get busy. And pastors, evangelists, missionaries, Sunday school teacher, youth worker, if you will just preach, if you will just preach, we're going to break it through. We're going to break it through. We're going to break it through. No, your labor's not in vain. Your labor's not in vain. Your labor's not in vain. Oh, there may be people that don't understand, but saint of God, your labor's not in vain. I wish you'd lift up your hands all over the building right now. And everybody lift up your voice. And everybody pray. Come on, that's the first step. It's the first step. You gotta pray. You gotta pray. You gotta pray. You gotta pray. <laughs> you gotta pray. You gotta pray. <laughs> Come on, sis. Come on, take that right there. That's your breakthrough here. Take this right here. That's your breakthrough. Yeah, come on. I know it's a pile of rocks, but I'm telling you at some point in time, you got to grab a hold of the fragment and say, I believe God. I believe God. I believe the word of God. beside you right now. Grab somebody beside you. Start praying. You really don't know what they're up against. Something's going to come down today. Something's going to come down.
make your way up here before you go home and get that stone in your hand and go home with a testimony. If I will preach the word, if the people will move, if we will pray, we will tear down strongholds. That's it, Brother Gethard. Come on, that's it, Brother Jesse. I'm going to break down every wall, every spirit of resistance. Every evangelist, you find somebody. Come on, missionary, find somebody. 